And welcome to episode 8 of What on Rob's Green Earth? What on Rob Green's Earth? <laughs> that is hard to say sometimes. Um, yeah, actually, uh, Dan Bublitz Jr. does a podcast called The Art of Bombing where he plugged this podcast on an episode and he said that the name was Hard, Hard, Hard to Say. And I was thinking, no, it's not, but fuck me, I guess he's right. Well, let's move on to more positive things. I've been given the honor of conducting the first interview for a musician who's going to be releasing his debut single and doing a giveaway on this podcast, which I've never done before. So here's hoping we don't fuck that up because people have entered. Speaking of which, uh, you can thank Caffeine for this podcast. I'm burning the midnight oil on this one to get it out at the proper time so that we can have the winner and not string that along forever. And it's, you know, it's been a challenge because I'm a procrastinator, but as a wise man once said, procrastination is like masturbation. It feels great at the time, but in the end, you're only fucking yourself. And speaking of effing yourself, we're also going to have the normal celebrity smack talk segment where we tell a celebrity who's never going to listen to this basically what they can go do. That's always fun. Does anyone else feel like kind of a failure after they watch a bunch of unsolved mysteries and they have no tips to call and contribute to the cases? Or is that just me? Send your answers to my social media, Rob Green Podcast on Instagram, or what on Rob Green's Earth on Facebook. So yeah, that's my shit that I probably should be plugging. This episode's guest I met a number of years ago, and to be honest with you, I don't quite remember when, where, or how, but I just know it's been a, it's been a minute. And he got in touch with me about doing this podcast to promote his debut single, like I said, which is kind of a big deal to me too, you know, like I've, I'm always down to promote whatever my guests have going on, but I've never been someone's first interviewer, so pressure's on, you know, I want to do a good job. Yeah, I was saying, I met him a few years back. Uh, my first real kind of firm memory I have of him, uh, I was out to have a couple drinks with some friends of mine, and go, we went to an open mic where there was food and beverages, and uh, I was going through a little bit of a rough patch, and I remember just, you know, kind of half paying attention, and he went to the stage and he did this remarkable cover of uh, Fleetwood Mac, Landslide. And it made me feel better. And that was the first impression I've ever had of him. And yeah, that's an impression that's carried to this day. So we're not going to play his cover of Landslide, but we're going to play a little uh, clip of his song and we're going to introduce him. So... Let's see what we can do for a clip here. I'm not technically inclined. Oh, here we go. I was born to live my life my way. And I will carve away at the stone. So that was the debut single, Stone, from Clifton Pettipaw. Sitting here with me right now. Clifton, how you doing, bud? Not too bad. How you doing today? Oh, it's a little bit warm, but I'll survive. I mean, a little bit warm, yeah. <laughs> there are worse things happening in the world than me sweating. That's true. So, you're on here to talk a little bit about yourself and your debut single, Stone. Uh, let's start off with about yourself. Well, my name is Clifton. They know that. <laughs> and uh, I've just been playing music for a lot of years. I think it's going on like 11 and a half now. I decided during COVID, even though COVID sucks to uh, put out something substantial during it. That's what's going on now. That's going on in my life. Right on. So you say you've been doing it for 11 and a half years. Just in the Agnes area, have you been anywhere doing it? I've been to a few other places. Uh, I've done some shows in Canso uh, during Stanfest. I've been to Glasgow and out a little bit in Ontario, but mostly just Agnes is kind of where I've based myself for a long time. Your stomping grounds. That's right. How long did it take you to write Stone? It's kind of a funny story because um, I would say a few years ago, like I would I would even probably say five years ago, I started it from what it is today. Whereas like 
that little guitar part that's in the song, the main guitar part through the whole thing, I wrote it as part of another song when I was quite a bit younger. And then it kind of went into another song. And then eventually I was like, I'm going to write a whole song around this. And so I wrote it and I had the whole first verse done. And then I couldn't figure out a good chorus and the chorus that I had sucked really bad. So I just was like, nope. I put it away, and a year later, I think, I picked it back up, and I, I wrote the rest of the song, and then we actually did the first recording of it, I think it was like two years ago now, me and Andre, and then we finally went back a month or two ago, and, and we were like, Let, let's finish it up and mix it and put it out. So you say Andre, that's Andre Pettipar from Andre, the Giants. That's right, Andre Pettipar. Oh, I see a link there. You guys got the same name at the end. We do. We are related, but not, not through Pettipar. Oh, well, the plot thickens there. Yeah. Mystery and intrigue. It's a mystery thing. We, fig <laughs> we figured it out because uh, people were always asking, like, you guys are related. You're both musicians. It's in the family. And I, I actually remember I was at the pub one night and someone came up to me and was like, you're Andre's brother. You're, you're Travis. You play in the band, right? And that's back when I had the long hair and the goatee, kind of a little bit of a resemblance. And I was like, nope. And then uh, time went on and we... I got to know Andre a little bit, and then we figured out, he was looking through his family books, and we figured out that uh, we're related through our coast, not Pedophile. <laughs> That's a little bit strange that that worked out like it's that. A little weird, yeah. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting at all yeah. from that. And so you've been writing that and working on it for about five years. What's the meaning for that? What's the meaning of the song for you? To start, I think, like, one of my philosophies is, like, you know, everybody has their own way of writing songs, and I think there's no right or wrong way. But when I write songs, it's like, if you have to push it too much, it's probably not right. I've got a number of songs that I started writing, and then I threw them away for a little while, and then I picked them back up because you can't find it, and if you force it, it's not going to be great. But Stone in particular was always one of my favorites. And anytime I played it live, I've been playing it live for however long I've had it in my pocket now. And I, anytime I would have someone come to me after shows and say anything, it was commenting on that song, just like enjoying that song. But for me, I really enjoyed it because the lyrics, they kind of flowed through me naturally. They, I didn't think too much on them. But it was very, like, the way I kind of feel about life, which is exactly like what the song says, you know? Like, life shouldn't be set in stone. Feels like there's kind of a set way that we're all kind of told, like, this is how you're supposed to live. If you're doing it this way, there's a couple different ways, and these are the right ways. You know, you only have one life. Live it however you want, and don't let anyone tell you how to do it. And that's kind of what the song means to me. Yeah, that's what I got from it, too. It's funny you say that, like, you pick something up, you leave it, you find it. Because I was kind of thinking along the same lines as I was listening to it, like when I'm writing some of my material, I'll have jokes that I can't finish and I'll leave them. And then months later, a year later, I find it like, oh, wait, that would work perfectly with this. But then sometimes I'm like, fuck, is Bush still president? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I find it's like the best songs come to you completely naturally. I have uh, one particular song you might hear in the future, who knows, that I was literally just like in the shower. And at the time, uh, Cheap Thrills by Sia was like the big song. And I loved the beat. And I just had that beat in my head. I'm like showering and all of a sudden this song comes in my head and I'm just like I need to go right now to my computer and I need to record what's in my head because this is really good and those are some of the best ones the ones that just kind of happen I hope nobody's half listening and just keying in the like point words like shower beat computer shower beat computer. <laughs> that's kind of the writing process behind it uh tell me a little bit about the recording process the recording process was really awesome um I mean I've always you know known Andre Pettipa's name. I think we all kind of do, mm -hmm. you know? If you don't, then you're probably not from around here, or... Or you don't listen to my podcast. Exactly. It's a little hazy, but this was probably five years ago. I got back off of kind of a hiatus of not playing, and I was doing lots of playing where I was doing three hours a night, once a week, at all these different venues, and just playing and playing and playing nonstop. And I met Andre. My memory might be wrong here, but I'm almost positive we met through the split crow when he was hosting open mics there i finally you know went up and was like it was uh jammed a little bit and got to know each other and then i just went to him and i was like hey like want to help me record this song so this was i think when we looked at it the other day it was in like 2017 that we actually started sitting down with this song and i remember um maybe 2018 anyway and it was a 
really cool process because I remember I had the song written fully, but I was super stuck on where to go next with it. It was just a guitar and vocals, and that's all I had. And when I brought it in to Andre, we kind of sat with it. We recorded the skeleton, just the vocals and the guitar, and then we started adding and adding and adding. So we were adding, you know, the stomps and the, the snaps and the claps, and then we added the banjo and just kind of adding all these little things to it that made it become bigger than what I had. And so I definitely, he, he was uh, instrumental in that and adding harmonies to the vocals and things like that. And then we recorded it, finished it, nothing ever really happened with it. And then now again, I, I went back and we redid the vocals and we added keyboards, the organs, all the different things like that. And uh, it was just a really fun process because I learned a lot from him about like, harmonizing vocally and creating a song where you have sort of a canvas and you've got you've got part of the painting done but you want to fill in the background and that's kind of how what he brought to it and what we kind of brainstormed while we were together was just like take this song and turn it into a bigger song basically which was really really fun it's awesome to hear how you can take something that's really personal to you that you've created yourself and you take it to someone who's done things that you want to learn about and you let them add input to it and help you shape it the way you want it. Like a lot of people are really defensive about their work. And I think that holds them back quite a bit. I agree. Yeah. I've been like that, like starting off defensive about some of my jokes and I'll be talking to someone about it and they'll say, man, just say this. I'm like, well, no. But every now and then now, like I'll sit down with other comics and we'll just be shooting the shit, talking about our bits. They'll say this would be a good word to describe that. And we do it vice versa now. Like once you learn to loosen the reins a little bit, when you're talking to people about art, that's something you're putting out to people. So an outside perspective is something that's very valuable in making it what you want it to be. And it's really awesome that you're able to see that and work with that. Yeah, I think um, it's super important to just be open about, you know, none of us are perfect, you know, and I think one of the interesting things about art is me, me and Andre actually had a conversation about this one time where we were like, he'd like play a song or I would play him a song and he'd be like, the whole time he's listening, you can see that he's thinking about it. And then he'd be like, I'm just thinking of all the different things you could do with this song and what you could add to it. And I think something that stuck with me when I was younger, I'd, uh, like my art teacher in grade six or seven, made a comment about the artistic side of music that was really interesting. And I adopted this because I, my view is um, one of the things that I really dislike in the industry is in an interview situation such as this, when the artist is like, this is what the song means. This is what it's about. Because for me, it's more like, this is what I wrote it about. Whatever you take it as is what it means to you. Because it's, you know, art should be completely subjective, right? And if you hold too much of like, no, like this is what the song is about. This is what the song means. This is what it's supposed to be. You get too attached to it. And then you're not really open for the song to grow and for people to interpret it the way they want to interpret it. Like when you listen to music, you find a meaning for it yourself. But then if that artist came out and said, no, I, I wrote it for, for my wife and it's about this exact time, <laughs> then you're kind of like, oh, okay. Tell the greedy bitch to share it with us. Yeah. Fuck. I just thought it was, I kind of thought it was about like my life a little bit, but then it kind of gets ruined. So <laughs> when I say what the song means to me, like that's what it means to me. And I like Stone specifically because it's very open-ended. It's got a pretty clear meaning, but it can kind of pertain to any aspect of any person's life, whether you're someone who you work a job you don't like, or you just are in a situation that you're not particularly happy with, happy with or you feel like you could be doing something more, you're trying to chase your dream. Like it, it can kind of work for anybody. And that's what I really like about lyrically that song. And that's the thing about art is you want people to enjoy it and be able to take something from it. Like if I tell a joke, I don't expect everyone to find everything I say funny. I mean, I'd appreciate it, but it's exactly. not realistic. But I can go and do a set and then have someone talk to me about it afterwards and say, you know, like I never thought about things like that. And that to me, that's just as important as them laughing at it, really. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's a distant second to getting paid, but that's <laughs> no, I'm yeah. kidding. I'll, I've worked for free. I love I love doing it. We've all worked for free though, yeah. in the arts. <laughs> I love uh, I went to go see a friend of mine perform at something before. And when I got there, someone else I knew was there and they came up to me and we started talking. They said, oh, my God, it's so good to see, you know, someone else from the artist community here to support this. And I was like. Oh, really? Who else is here? Like, and like 
you. You're here. I was like, I'm, what? No. <laughs> no, I'm the belligerent drunk on stage. Like, the only thing yeah. that makes me even resemble an artist is field position at that point, right? <laughs> we got some artwork there that you revealed uh, throughout the process. And it's actually a pretty interesting image. Like, it looks to me kind of like a labyrinth. Yes. Am I right? You're right. Holy shit. See, I am an artist. So you're you're like half right. I'm half right. That's, half right. that's still, that's better than I was expecting you to do. Yeah, the story behind that. Again, I, also, I like to keep things a little open-ended and a little bit like interpretive so that when you look at it, you can kind of be like, what does that mean? What's that about? It comes from all the years of uh, just binge listening to Rush, I think. Just <laughs> being like, figure it out. But I just uh, came across this image one day, and it was just like kind of the building block of where we started there. And it's, it's a labyrinth in the shape sort of of like a brain. Again, open-ended. Take that with that however you want it to mean. That's right. Anybody, you can interpret it as you want, except for me, who is apparently only half right. <laughs> eh, it's okay. <laughs> it happens. But it was definitely, like, we had an idea, myself and my my old friend, Lance Bowers. You can find his uh, newfound thrifts on Instagram. He does all the artwork you see right now is done by him. He's unreal. And uh, I just kind of was like, I had this idea. And then he made it. And I was like, it looks so good. And it was, you know, a little gritty looking and yeah, just basically kind of playing off of like more the opening lyrics of, uh, you know, you find yourself inside of your head again, but you don't know the way around. It's kind of where that came from is, you know, trying to figure out and navigate between the heart and the head is sort of the idea that we had there. That's kind of the artworks idea. And fuck, that's a battle most of the time, isn't it? It is. It is, definitely. So navigating the uh, labyrinth of your brain, mm. we have a couple segments on here. Now, everyone's got a celebrity that just annoys them all to hell. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a platform, you know, 15, 20 seconds, get on a roll if you have to. Pick a celebrity and talk some shit about them. All right, I need, I need a second for this one because there's a few. <laughs> this is a super unpopular one, I think. I feel like when I say this, people are like, what are you talking about? I despise James Corden. I, I despise need... James Corden, too. What? Yeah. There we go. Common hey, ground. This is all you. You go ahead. I just, for, for like the beginning, when like he was kind of coming around as like kind of a name, I didn't mind him. I thought he was fine. I just, he's just, <laughs> he just, he makes me angry. And it's not because there's anything necessarily wrong with him, like he's talented, whatever. It's the problem that he his show, when you look when you watch talk shows, it's like, we've got a guest. Talk to me, guest. Whereas I feel like James Corden is like, I'm the guest, and you're the secondary guest. And this is gonna be about us, not you. It's gonna be about us. Every time you see him do like a, I'm gonna have this person sing on the show. He's got to be singing with them. He's such a look at me, son He's of a, a bitch. That's perfect. Oh, I don't fine. like James Corden. Sorry, James Corden. Uh, yeah, no, he's listening. Um, yeah, actually, I'm not sorry, James Corden. Like, fuck off. If you have a guest, feature the fucking guest. We get it. You're a charming, pudgy British man. You can kind of sing. But not as good as your guests, but you're going to challenge them to singing contests. Let's do it in a fucking car, too, and driving oh, around. Why not, right? Yeah. Anyway, I'm not a fan of James Gordon. He just kind of, he just rubs me the wrong way. I like some of the, like, some of the content that he'll put out is watchable. But most of the time, if he's in it, I'm not a fan. I really enjoyed, he did, like, a week where Sean Mendes took over his show. And I love Sean Mendes. I think he's really great. And that was the most watchable stuff that he ever did. I hate the segments where they do, like, you can tell me the answer to this question or you can eat something disgusting. And then he always acts like, oh, I've got something good. No, I'm just going to eat the disgusting thing. Exactly. Dude, like, fuck off. Yeah. I saw one of them that I enjoyed. And the only reason I enjoyed it was because he was not there. I think it was like Harry Styles and some other celebrity. And I only liked it because he wasn't there. So it's a good segment, but he ruins it. So it just shows how bad he is. Yeah. Well, I've never jumped in on one of those before, but yeah, I've got a mean dislike for James Corden I'm, as well. I'm really glad you agree. Oh, I'm really glad somebody else agrees with me. I'm starting to think that I'm a hateful prick. Down with James Corden. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this has ruined my chances of taking over the show once he's ousted for whatever he gets ousted for, as apparently Eventually. all celebrities now are doing. Eventually. Yeah, that'd be a fun trip too. Where's he do that? Los Angeles or New York? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. 
Uh, you gonna do any traveling with this new single? That is, it's a little bit difficult. It's a little up in the air right now with COVID. Yeah. Because although things are being lifted, it's still a very touchy kind of industry. Yeah. It's tough to be like, hey, I'm gonna come and play a show here and here and here. Right now, I mean, I'm looking into some different things, but I'm looking into Halifax and uh, Cape Breton is where all the guys that I talk to like uh Andre Pettipod, John Hines, uh Liam Brophy, Lee Boy, like they do Cape Breton and Cape Breton does well for them. I think the biggest one right now that I can say is like I am looking into Newfoundland, okay. which is where Lance Bowers, I mentioned him earlier, the artist of all the artwork, he lives there. So he's like, come on, sleep on my couch, book a bunch of shows. But when COVID eventually, hopefully <laughs> says, okay, you can travel other places and not be like you're from where get out of here uh i hope to keep moving um given that this song you know does well and maybe spoiler the next song does well you got much in the uh in the pipe for future releases without giving too much away but you got stuff in the pipe without giving too much away i can tell you right now that i have 18 songs that I'm really happy with Mm -hmm. and right now it's a matter of juggling what ones am I the most happy with and trying to see being that this is my first release I'm really new to this even though I've been doing this for so long it feels it's it's a new field for me it's a new world of releasing songs and then trying to make sure they gain traction and people hear them and stuff so it's sort of just figuring it all out but there's definitely more coming no doubt so you said now you've got about 18 songs that you're kind of meandering through. Are you thinking album at any point? It's really funny because I'm, I'm like saying these things as if I'm like some big artist under some huge label. I'm like, well, I can't say anything. I'll get in trouble. But really, it's like, you know, I can say anything I want. Right now, I'm hoping to continue moving forward after this release. But the idea right now is to stick with singles. Just makes financially and just where I'm at in my like quote-unquote career Hmm. uh, singles make sense but I've always been a huge fan of the idea of like the classic album one work Hmm. with you know individual pieces and get the artwork and everything kind of comes together I've always loved that again probably from my years of binging rush you know you just throw that love of like this one cohesive work so definitely an album is something that I look to, but for right now, I'm sort of just like, I'm okay with the idea of, you know, let's throw some singles out and see if people like me first. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is your first one, so obviously you're not going to put the cart ahead of the horse to exactly. coin an old phrase, but it, I mean, the possibility's there someday. Exactly. You never know. You don't want to say too much and jinx yourself. Exactly. And if you do want to announce that, you're definitely going to announce it on a bigger show than this one. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Fair enough. Avoid cruise ships. Apparently the first cruise ship that's gone out again has a coronavirus breakout. I can't swim. Well, apparently on the boat, though, you're fine. Like, they've got those little donut things. So. I've always said this. I've been on one ferry going to PEI. Hmm. And if you look around you and you don't see land, you're just a cat in a box. You're neither neither dead nor alive at that point. Like, it's just how it is. Then talking about going to Newfoundland, it's like, well, you're either going to fly here or you're going to take a ferry. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Because, I, like I said, I I can't swim. And just that idea makes me be like, I don't want to go on no no boats. (laughs) Keep me off that. So... You weren't a fan of the movie Titanic. I love Titanic. Oh. <laughs> because it, I wasn't on it. Oh, that's... <laughs> I feel like the Titanic was better for just about everybody who wasn't on it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As long as you weren't there. Yeah. It was a good movie. It's completely enjoyable if it didn't result directly in your death. Exactly. As most things are. <laughs> <laughs> death is funny. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Rush. What kind of musicians did you listen to? Who did you look up to? When I was quite young, the first musician that I was like, you know, when you hit that age where you actually start to notice music, mm-hmm. music's always there. But then there's one point where you're like, music, uh, with Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash grand- was your first favorite? Yeah. My grandfather played his records all the time. And I still to this day love Johnny Cash. He's great. And then when I was like 10, 
my cousin introduced me to Slipknot, and I I really really love Slipknot still to this day. I have all their albums. Love Slipknot. But then um, that was all prior to me like picking up an instrument and being like, oh, I I can kind of sing. Oh, I can actually kind of write songs. But anyone who knew me in high school would tell you like there was probably like my my first like five years as a musician, I I just played City in Color, mm-hmm. just nonstop covers of City in Color. Uh, all my songs were just ripoffs of City in Color songs, like City in Color, Axe on Fire, the whole thing. And I played in like heavy metal bands until I was probably like. 20 and then eventually i kind of opened up and i started listening to like pop music which became a huge influence on me things like uh sia she was one of the first ones that i really got into and uh then like sean mendez and then it just kind of opened up from there and i love new music as well like i'm influenced by all the new stuff like uh billy eilish is great post malone is great all these different things but then you know there's also the other side where it's like i tight out listen to rush um, so there's definitely a lot of influence from a lot of different places, but I would definitely say that like my most direct influence would be City in Color, I think, because for so many years, like the first song I ever learned how to play and sing was a City in Color song. I played it for so long and still to this day, when I see him doing something, I'm just kind of like subconsciously, I'm like, I like that. Mm. He's, he's He's got a very good, uh, just like a nice mannerism about what he does. It's all very classy, very nice, but... I don't let that consume. I try to take influence from wherever I can um, and just listen to whatever. I, I believe that uh, every style of music, every genre, there's something good in it. It's a tough one to to believe sometimes because then, you know, country music, new country music is, it exists. And that's oh, a tough one. Oh, um, oh. But I do believe that in there, there's some good. I'll take your word for it, I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I think there's some good in everything, you know? What's the strangest song you've ever covered? I don't mean strange, like nothing like peculiar out there or obscure, but just something that people wouldn't expect someone with your style of performing would cover. Off the top of my head, I think what I can remember, for a while I was doing uh, hosting open mics. So I'd be playing for three hours once a week type of thing. I would say like the two, probably the three weirdest ones. One is that I do a cover of Grease like the Grease song, yeah. Uh, which I think when I play it, people are like, okay. Uh, one that I do at a lot of my shows that is another one that people really, really enjoy is Billie Jean. Mm-hmm. But I think the weirdest one that I ever did, we were doing the art fair circuit that they do every summer, except for obviously this one. Yeah. Uh, and there was one where I was supposed to close the night out and it, they moved the venue because it was raining. So it was in the mall here in Anganesh. And so I showed up and everyone was like pretty much gone by then because it was like near the end. And uh, I played a song or two of my own. And then I had got my hands on a loop pedal. And so I decided that I was going to do a Rush song, which I mean, when you think about like what I'm into, it makes sense. I'm doing Rush. But when I got up, when I got off stage, I remember someone looking at me and being like, you only got to do like two, three songs. Like everyone else got to do like five. And then they were like, it's because that last song you played was like eight, nine minutes long. And I was like, yeah, I know. But I mean, I think that was probably the one of the stranger ones where people were kind of like, is this guy going to stop playing this song anytime? Who is this you guy? Know? What is he doing? Because I don't know uh, the knowledge of Rush that people may have, but I think they only have one song that's under two minutes. Mm. Everything else is like just... Just a marathon. Just a marathon. Insanity. Um, but I'd say that was one of the bigger ones that people probably would have been like, this is weird. Other than that, it's it's a tough one to think about because I've just played so many covers in open mics and stuff that I just, like, I can barely remember half of them. I played some Panic! at the Disco songs, which was a little different. I've always wanted to do, like, covers of, like, heavy metal artists that I really like and just, like, do an acoustic cover of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I've done a few, but I can You perform so long, yeah. Exactly. You know. yeah. That one, the Rush one, sticks out in my mind because it was so funny and obscure. And it was like it was like a deep cut of Rush, too. It was like one that, like, if I named it, like, even, like, Rush fans would be like, mm, which one's that? And uh, people just were like, I think by the end of it, people were like, okay, I'm like, I'm going to just leave. Is this, is this song ever going to end? It's taking too long. <laughs> He's up long. there. His face is red as all hell. Exactly. The sweat's pouring down his head. He's fidgeting all weird. He's probably yeah. going to die in the spot. I don't want to be around for that. 
I did do a live stream when I was doing a few of them there at the beginning of COVID where people would request songs and someone requested that I do an Avenged Sevenfold song and I did that one. Which song? Victim. Oh, okay. And it ripped my voice apart. Um, <laughs> that was fine. I also did a cover on there of, I did like a whole Johnny Cash night. Mm-hmm. Just all Johnny Cash songs. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think because I know there's a better one. I, there's got to be a better one out there. We'll go with the Rush one. Okay. Would you ever do a Spice Girls cover? Yes, I've thought about it. You've thought about it? <laughs> <laughs> Quick answer. Here, uh, I'm trying to be a smartass, and you're like, joke's on you. I'm already thinking of it, fucker. <laughs> well, I've gone through several bands, and uh, for a long time, it's been all just like... The thing that musicians know about Annie Ganesh is that if you want to be like a band in Annie Ganesh, you need to be ready to play three hours, mm-hmm. or no one's going to take you, because... They want three hours of background music at the bar. They want you to have people dancing. So for a long time, it was like, okay, what song should we do? And I remember going to my band and being like, listen, guys, like, think about this for a minute with me. Backstreet's back. Okay, <laughs> The riff that they do on the synth and the bass in the beginning. Imagine that as a guitar riff. <laughs> but they weren't buying it. No. And I was like, it'd be so good, though. Um, we did also open like all of our shows when I was playing with, I had a band called Born in Clothes, which is my favorite band name ever. And we played like five shows together and we opened all of our shows with the, uh, I don't actually know the, it's, it's a cheap, it's cheap trick, but I don't know the actual name of the song because it's so hard to find, but like the, that 70s show theme song. Oh, in the, in the, out in the streets. I think it's something like that. Yeah. And, uh, out in the streets. Yeah. We opened every set with that. But instead of like "Hello Wisconsin," we just say "Hello" to wherever, wherever the hell you were. And I still love that opening. That's still like one of my favorites. When uh, you mentioned how Nanny Ganesh, everyone wants you to be ready to play three hours. I had someone approach me about doing stand up in town, and just like I would have had a lot of time to play on the show or get people like to come in and do comedy with me. So I said, okay, I'll see if I can round up some guys for it and we can get a show going. And they said, well, if they can't, can you go three hours? Like just, it's the mentality, it's right? The and mentality, they, yeah. they, and not just, I'm not saying they were stupid. I'm just saying they hadn't dealt with stand up at that point. Yes. Because I definitely, one, just to interject, like, I think you were the first person I've ever seen in this town do stand up. I like when I was doing my open mics, that's how you and I met. I think <laughs> you were at one of uh, Lee Boy's open mics at the pub. Possibly. I didn't perform, but I'd always go listen to them. There was somewhere that I saw you. Maybe The Crow? I don't know. Somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, and I was just like, I didn't know people did stand-up in Annie Nash. So it's one of those things where people just, they just don't get it. Like, it's not that, like you said, it's not they're stupid. They just don't get it. Like, three hours? That's insane. Like, these episodes here only last me about an hour, because I don't think anyone could stand to listen to me any longer than that anyway. Well, that's the thing. It's three hours of any performing is, it's in- it's intense. Yeah. You know? And we do it, because artists, you know, you kind of, if you want to do it, you got to kind of do it. But, like, from a musician's perspective as well, it's like, if you think about three hours of music, I think one time I actually did the math, and it's like 60 songs. Jesus. It's insanity to expect someone to play three hours. And I know a couple guys who are doing a shows at a, a venue, I won't name it, who are playing four-hour sets. Wow. And it's just, I can't even imagine. Like, I've done, like, a comedy set that's an hour. And I'm not playing an instrument. I'm not jumping around. I'm not singing to the point where I have to change the pitch and volume of my voice very much. I'm talking. I mean, sometimes I get animated. I'm like, yeah, and sometimes I get louder. But the end of that hour, I am goddamn exhausted. It is throat probably can barely talk. It's not as bad as someone saying, but yeah, I've had times I'm a little bit dry. But oh my god, like I've come home and just hopped in the shower because I was sweating like a pig, and then just out as soon as I hit the bed. Yeah, it takes it out of you. I remember there was a point where I had hit a point. <laughs> there was a time where I had hit a point. You know, like, you know how I'm going to edit this afterwards, just so you know that is staying in. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It just shows the brain fart. Yeah. That the brain fart's out. I think the way it worked was I had like seven months where I was not on stage. And then I started going to the open mics that Lee Boy was hosting. And then I took over the open mics at the Split Crow. And then when that ended, insert joke here. Um, <laughs> I was actually the second to last act 
the first time that place closed. That's insane. But I was on a roll there where I did three hours every week at the Crow. And then right after that, I was doing three hours every week at Paniza when that was open. Mm -hmm. It was like a late night gig. Like I started at 12. And then I got into doing long sets at Piper's Pub when I was doing those big open mics where I'd bring in people. And by the time I was like halfway through the Paniza times, I was really, really geared up doing those three hour sets where I could get up and I could do three hours, no problem. But if you asked me today to like get up tomorrow and go play three hours, I'd be like, my voice will probably last 15 minutes <laughs> because it's just, it's one of those things you got to be doing it. Yeah. Like when I get on a roll, like I say, I'll crash. But I mean, if we're doing a bunch of shows like me and my buddy, Kevin, we like love performing together mm-hmm. and it's not often enough we get to do it and we live in different towns. So as soon as we're done, like we hit the beers, we're talking to people, we're getting feedback from the set. One of us will be getting bitched at from someone who took offense to something, which, yeah, of course. which is awesome. By the way, that's yeah. awesome. I love it. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't you? It's, it's, I, I revel. Like I'm kind of a shithead like that, but that's the best part I can imagine. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well like at least I got them thinking about something, right? There you go. They're going to remember. Yeah, it's, I'm noteworthy that way. <laughs> so what I always say is, when you're on stage, you got to do something that makes people remember you were on stage. You know? Yeah. No, I've had people come up to me. Excuse me. Yeah. How dare you? How dare? Where you? do you get the nerve saying things <laughs> like that? I uh, I'm not much of a talker when I'm on stage. I'm a pretty quiet person. I'm talking right now at like a level that is higher than I'm used to talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't talk a lot on stage, but sometimes I'm like, maybe that's good. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like I have a similar mentality where I'm like, I just like to say things that people would be like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I don't even mean half the things I say that piss them off. Like I'll say it very sarcastically. Yeah. And like, I think if someone gets that pissed off, they don't really understand how comedy works. And I know that's like such an arrogant thing to say. But if I'm, like, making a joke where it's like, oh, I, like, fuck, I, I said, like, one time to a guy, I was like, I, fuck, I hope he dies in the plane crash. And if I can't get him on the plane, I hope the plane crashes on top of him when he's walking on the street. It's like, oh, I can't believe that you said that. Like, you'd kill all those people. It's like, no, I wouldn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I was just, just exaggerating. Like, it's just a joke, though. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, I'm a bastard, but I'm not a fucking bastard. <laughs> exactly. It's a climate. It's a tough climate to do comedy, I can imagine. Uh, it's, it is, but I mean, you just got to learn to just like for every person that doesn't like your joke, as long as there's someone who does, you'll break even, right? And I mean, I've got like people that like have seen me multiple times. So, I mean, I, I can't be that bad. And I'm not just like relatives either. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think my mom and dad only came to see me once. Mm. My dad's like, my dad just doesn't want like anyone paying attention to him while I'm up on stage. So the first thing I do is just draw attention to us. I was performing just after uh, their house had burned down in October a couple years back. And anyway, we got a new one built and stuff. So I got up and I just made this joke and I was like talking like, oh, and just if you guys want to know who's responsible for my dark humor, there's my parents right there. And I was like, oh, give them, uh, you know, like everyone, give them a round of applause for being out here tonight. They're actually just settled in to their new home. Their old house had burned down in October. the house that I grew up in, that my dad grew up in. And it was a really tough time uh, since then. It was really sad to me. Like, it really bothered me a lot because I had to help them build a new fucking house. You know how time consuming that is? And <laughs> everyone's kind of chuckling. And I don't know if my dad found it funny or not, but he's just kind of looking at me. That's so good. It, it, it's funny too, because the two different types of performances, they have similarities. It's, it, it just reminds me of like when you get on stage and you play a song that you wrote about someone and that person is there. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, do they know? <laughs> If they know, uh, how they're gonna... does she realize she's the one that ruined my life? <laughs> do you do you know? <laughs> do you know you're an awful human being? And this song is about that. Is that why you're staring daggers at me right now? Because I can't uh, tell you're awful. You stare daggers anyway. It's a really good Matt Anderson quote that I love, where he he'll sing his song that's just like this sappy, sad love song, and he's like, uh, this song just goes to show. If you date a musician and break up with them, you're going to have a song written about you. Mm, <laughs> and that's I'll just sing a song. That's why I wouldn't date Taylor Swift. You know, she gets she gets too much shit, man. 
She gets too much shit. Oh, That's yeah. My own it's, it's funny, though. <laughs> it's funny, but it gets to a point where, like, it's just, like, she's she's good, man. She's, she's talented. She's good, but she did a lot of ex-bashing in a lot of, of her course. songs. And of course. You can't bash that many exes without someone eventually saying, maybe you're the problem just a little bit. Just maybe. And just the fact that she's such a big star just amplifies yeah, that... It's a humorous notion to me. Like, I don't give a shit how many guys she sleeps with and writes songs, but I don't care. I don't care. But the jokes are funny, and that's yeah. what that's what I'm here for. There you go. Yeah. It's all about just having a good time with it. Yeah. yeah. And it, like, she takes offense to it, or she gets upset. Just go to your mansion and cry yourself to sleep in your Scrooge McDuck vault of gold coins. She'll be fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she loves it. So merchandise you have on the way as well. Yes. The merchandise is... It's there. Shipping's a little tricky with COVID time now. Shipping's tricky with COVID, and on top of that right now, uh, the way we're working on it is that we're kind of taking it similar to like when I'm releasing this song, uh, where I've got plans for more coming, but I'm sort of like, I just want to see if people like it first. Yeah. We're starting very small, so um, I've mentioned him a couple times now, but this guy's like my right-hand man, hmm. uh, Lance Bowers, Newfound Thrifts, again, hmm. on Instagram. He does great stuff. So it's a one-man operation. So he's in Newfoundland, and we're printing all the shirts to order, give away, whatever. They're all going to be done by one person, made to order. I send them, hey, I need this many of this size. He makes them, sends them to where they're going. I shipped a couple packages during COVID here, and it's... There's a bit of a wait. And that's fine, I <clears> guess. But uh, so there's merch, and it's, it's there. But we're starting small. We're just doing T-shirts for now. But I can tell you... There's a lot more merch that has been made that I've seen, but we're giving it some time. Right. See how this goes. Let it marinate a little bit. Marinate a little bit. See who likes it. See who wants it. Um, but the shirts look great. Like uh, his work is unreal. The the logo I'm I'm extremely happy about, and he he's just he knows what he's doing. That's awesome when you have someone like that who knows what they're doing they know all the right things to ask you to yeah. form a picture to represent what you want like all exactly. the smart questions you're giving away a shirt that's right you're giving away a shirt right now mm-hmm. i mean they'll have to wait for the covid shipping but you're giving away a shirt right now mm-hmm. are you ready to give away a shirt i think we're ready to give away and to add to that we're giving away the first shirt I do want to say really quick, we are giving away five of these shirts, mm-hmm. and then they will be for sale. We're going to give the first one away here, and then they're for sale. If you win a shirt after you've already ordered a shirt, we'll just send your money back. Mm-hmm. That's how it's going to go. This is the first one. All right. Now, do you want to go over how we're doing this, or do you want me to do it? I think you would probably know how it's going to go. I guess this is my show. So... Anyone that's been following me on social media, following Clifton on social media, I've had you send in stupid questions for the five stupid questions segment. And we've randomly, out of a coffee can, because they kept falling out of the little back snap part of my hat, so we pulled them out of a coffee can, and we've picked five questions. Now, Clifton has no idea who sent these questions in. So I'm going to ask him these questions and he's going to give us his best smart answer to stupid questions as all guests are having to do. And when he's done, he's going to pick his favorite of the five that were asked and that person's going to get the shirt. So Clifton. Yeah. In life, we are told there are no stupid questions. Are you ready for the most generous five questions we've ever had on this show? I'm really excited. All right. Tell me when you're ready. I am. I was born ready because I was born stupid. <laughs> Question the first is cereal soup. Yes, it is. I've been working in kitchens for a lot of years, and I can tell you that cereal is soup. Hmm. That's like insider information. It's insider on this. information. You've heard it here first. <laughs> cereal is a type of soup. All right. The next question. This says, Mr. Rob Green. I have a stupid question. Where would be the best city for left-handed people? I feel like there's a, a right answer to this. <laughs> or a left answer. <laughs> uh, Portland. 
Portman? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> is that like a boat there's like port size that left? Yes. Yes? That's exactly what, that's what I meant. If anyone here does shit with boats and is listening, can you message me and let me know if port side is left? And if not, I'll just end up Googling it myself. But I like to throw these out for people. Portland. are alive in Portland. Portland. How many zombies can Rob Zombie rob if Rob Zombie could rob zombies? Seven. Seven? Mm-hmm. I know I, I know a lot about zombies. Yeah. And a lot about Rob Zombie. Okay. So it's, it's seven. Okay. <laughs> Would you get anything good off them? I mean, they're dead. Yeah. So. I guess. Uh, whatever. You know, he probably would love it. He'd get body parts. <laughs> movies and... Check these extensions out in my hair. <laughs> That's where he got his thousand corpses for that movie. Oh. Fuck, there's really zombies? I don't know. Okay. Don't tell me shit like that so close to bedtime, okay? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay. Would it be better to be the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company or a religious cult leader? Does the cult have to be, like, violent? Or can it be violent? Well, if you're the leader, it's really up to you, isn't it? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. That's a good That's a good thinker right there for a Ooh. stupid question. See, because money's cool, but only if you have it. Mm-hmm. But I'd say cult leader. Just be, I don't know. I just think it'd be cool to be a cult leader. <laughs> I'd go with cult leader, too, just because if you're the cult leader, you don't have to answer to CEOs. Yeah. And you could tell your whole cult. You could be like, go get me money. Yeah. And then you have to go rob those CEOs. Exactly. So that's what I'd say to that one. Cult leader. All right. And the fifth question. Wait, sorry. I need to go back. I don't want it to be religious, though. That's fine. It's, it's just cults that. for anything. Yeah. Just a cult. Whatever. <laughs> it's your cult. You're the leader. Exactly. <laughs> and speaking of religious, <laughs> question five. I made Jesus-shaped pancakes, but I burnt them. Am I going to hell? Yes. <laughs> that was very definitive there. Yeah. If you burn pancakes in general, I think you're going to hell. But if they're Jesus-shaped, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Makes me wonder what kind of a person you are that sent this in. Yeah. Because one, you're good enough to make your pancakes shaped like Jesus, but not good enough to not burn them. Mm-hmm. You belong in hell, maybe. <laughs> did you really burn them by accident, or did you secretly burn them on purpose? Do you hate Jesus? <laughs> That's, I think, for somebody else's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're faced with the task. Oh, Which God. of those questions entertained you the best, the most? I'm going to take out a cereal soup, because I just I feel like it's a common question. Okay. I feel like people ask that a lot. And I'm going I'm to tell you, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the soup is just uh, it's just like a, a liquid of sorts or a whatever with and not all soups hot anyway not so all yeah. soups hot there you go yeah cereal is soup okay heat it up it's soup probably be disgusting too what is cereal too is soup cereal that's another question depends on when you eat it I guess there you go so um, <laughs> I think we're gonna go with one of these here so I'm gonna go so it's stupid questions but I wanna go with this one cause it's kinda clever Mm-hmm. But but that kind of takes away the point of it being stupid. <laughs> but it entertained me. And we're going to go with this one. Do you want to ask the winning question or read the winning question? State gonna... the winning... I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how you do if you're reading a question or you ask. Just pick the winner, goddamn. I'm going to say it and then I want you to answer too. Okay. I made Jesus shaped pancakes, but I burnt them. Am I going to hell? My answer to that would be. No. There's a di- we're divided on this one, I guess. We are divided on this one. Why do you say no? What if you like burnt pancakes? Some people like burnt toast. Some people like burnt popcorn. They all should go to hell, too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't eat anything burnt. It's like people who eat well-done steak. Okay, that's that's a totally different animal right there. Yeah, it's still that's... burning things in a you know, way. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess I'm just a passive winger right now. <laughs> I'm very, very, like, certain on this one. All right. Very, but yes, that's that's the winning question. Okay. So the winner of the t-shirt in the What on Rob Green's Earth t-shirt contest is Wendy McCachron. Wendy McCachron. The runner-up is Jeff Vansicle with the Rob Zombie question. It's a good question. And it's funny because when he messaged me, he told me that he's like, yeah, just so you know, 3XL, I'm going to win. And I said, you've got to get drawn 
and then you've got to get picked. And he was like, yep, calling it right now. And then I drew it, and I was like, that's son of a bitch. <laughs> you had it narrowed down to two, and I was like, that's son of a bitch. Listen, here's what we'll do. Because it was a good question, and I sent it, I, sorry, I chose it second. Oh, I'll give him a discount on a shirt. How about that? A discount on a shirt. For Jeff, the runner-up. For the runner-up. You get a discount. There it is. Wow. We're, we're generous. How'd that feel, your first giveaway? That was pretty cool. Yeah? I want to give more stuff away. Excellent. Do you want my house? I can barely keep this one clean. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, for the shirts... I don't yeah. want COVID. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I'm licking doorknobs and breathing on people. You get it. You get it. You get, it. You get COVID. So yeah, for uh, for the winners here. Just send me your sizing. Yes. And then, like I said, I swear to Jesus-shaped pancake that you will get a shirt. <laughs> and the shirts will be cool. And they're going to be awesome. I feel like that's the beginning of a cult. <laughs> this is my cult. Do a 50% discount for the runner-up. For the runner-up? On a shirt. All right. He seemed like he wanted one. Really badly. Yeah. And he, he had a good question. I think... And he, I was... That was a tough choice. I think he just liked winning. Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. All right. So now that we've done the giveaway, which is pretty much what everyone sticks around any event for, what do you say we throw it to you to do some plugs and promos? Okay. Right now, as of August 1st... Uh, my debut single, Stone, it's literally out anywhere that you can listen to music. Spotify, iTunes, Google, if you've got it, he's on it. Yeah. Even even some ones that when I saw them, I was like, I don't know what these are. <laughs> it, they're there. It's on YouTube. I didn't put it there. It's up there. Hmm. Um, anywhere that you stream your music, it's there. So check it out. Hopefully you like it. If you don't, sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you like it, we got shirts for sale. We got songs. Maybe more coming. And uh, there's going to be some more giveaways coming up really soon. So keep your eyes out. Especially the other people who entered into this contest. Keep your eyes out for more stuff. But the big plug is Stone. My debut single is out everywhere. So check it out. Share it with all your friends. Force people to listen to it. Like, make them do it. If you're driving, you control the radio. Remember that. And put my song on. And anywhere you see me possibly doing some shows, if you follow me on Instagram, it's just my name, Clifton Pettipaw. If you follow me on Facebook on my page, it's just Clifton Pettipaw Music. That's where you'll find updates for shows, online shows, giveaways, anything like that. It's all there. That pretty well sums it up then. I think so. I've only got one job left for you then. You said you'd give me anything? Yeah. Give me a good uh, lead up to the outro music. This is the outro music. Hit it!